Well, good morning. Have you ever considered the power that words hold? Words matter. Anyone who believes that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never harm me, well, they're just not telling the truth. Words can cut deep. Words build you up, and words tear you down. Words are powerful. Consider how much the words, I love you, I believe in you, I forgive you. Consider how much those words can transform you. The universe was spoken into existence with words. In the beginning, God said, let there be light. And because words are so powerful, I, I feel like a lot of Christians find that sharing the gospel is one of the most difficult parts of the Christian life. But it doesn't have to be so hard. That there are so many misconceptions people have about sharing the gospel that we need to clear out of the way from the beginning so that we can confidently share the hope and the message of Jesus. One misconception people have about sharing the gospel is that it's solely the responsibility of ministers. Some people believe that, that only pastors and evangelists and trained professionals are responsible for sharing the gospel. In reality, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 instructs all believers to go and make disciples. Sharing the gospel is the responsibility of all Christians not just a select few. In the classic TV series, The Andy Griffith Show from the 1960s, uh, Andy Taylor, the sh sheriff of Mayberry, he's out of town. And his deputy, Barney Fife, is in charge, and he has deputized the local mechanic named Gomer. The two deputies are walking down the street one evening when they notice that someone is robbing the town's bank. They hide behind a car. They're afraid. They don't know what they should do. And finally, Gomer looks over at Barney and says, Shazam, we need to call the police. In utter exasperation, Barney shouts back, we are the police. And we could say the same thing about sharing the gospel. So many people look around and they say, we need a pastor here. We need the church. You are the church. You are called to share the gospel. Every one of us is. Another misconception about sharing the gospel is that I must be a theological expert. Many individuals feel like they have to have an in-depth knowledge of theology and, and the Bible to share the gospel. And while a solid understanding of the gospel message is essential, you don't need to be a theological expert. The core message of the gospel revolves around God's love, forgiveness, and the salvation offered through Jesus Christ. Sharing your personal faith and your testimony can be very effective, even without a deep theological background. A third misconception is that sharing the gospel requires confrontation. Now, some people fear that sharing the gospel means engaging in confronting arguments or long debates or that people have to be forced into the kingdom. In his book, Seismic Shifts, Kevin Harney tells the story of Margaret and her dog, Patches. Every day at exactly the same time, Margaret would go to the bathroom cabinet, open it up, and take out a huge bottle of castor oil. Then she would head to the kitchen to get a tablespoon. At the sound of the drawer opening and the silverware rattling, Patches, her Yorkshire Terrier, would run and hide. 
sometimes under the bed, at other times in the bathtub, or behind Margaret's recliner. Patches knew what was coming. Someone had convinced Margaret that her beloved dog would have strong teeth, a beautiful coat, and a long life if she gave him a spoonful of castor oil every day. So as an act of love, every 24 hours, she cornered Patches, pinned him down, pried open his mouth, and as he whimpered, squirmed, and fought her with all of his strength, poured a tablespoon of castor oil down his little doggy throat. Neither Patches or Margaret enjoyed their daily wrestling match. Then one day, in the middle of this battle royale, with one sideways kick, Patches sent the dreaded bottle of castor oil flying across the kitchen floor. It was a momentary victory for this dog, as Margaret let him go so she could run to the pantry to grab a towel to clean up the mess. When Margaret got back, she was completely shocked. There was Patches licking up the spilled castor oil with a look of satisfaction that only a dog can make. Margaret began to laugh uncontrollably. In a moment, it all made sense. Patches liked castor oil. He just hated being pinned down and having it forced down his throat. I think for a lot of people, they like the gospel. They're, they're open to the good news. They just don't want it forced down their throat. And, and while it's important to defend your faith and be able to answer questions, sharing the gospel can be done in a respectful and non-confrontational manner. Through building relationships and engaging in open, meaningful conversations, you find that you are much more effective. Another misconception is that sharing the gospel must be formal or scripted. Sharing the gospel doesn't always require a formal or a scripted presentation. And while there are some scripted approaches like the four spiritual laws or the Romans road or the five-finger exercise, those can be helpful. Personal and authentic conversations can also be effective. The gospel can be shared in natural, conversational ways based on the context and the needs of the person that you're talking with. Another misconception is that sharing the gospel is all about winning arguments. Sharing the gospel should be focused on sharing the message of God's love and redemption rather than winning an argument or securing a conversion. Some people are more concerned and sadly get more excited about winning an argument than they do loving the person that they are trying to reach. The Holy Spirit plays a crucial role in convicting hearts. Our job is to share the message faithfully. Another misconception is that sharing the gospel is only about words. And while words are essential, sharing the gospel often involves living out your faith through actions. Last week, we explored the gospel in our actions. Demonstrating love, kindness, and grace can be just as impactful as verbal communication. People often notice and respond to the transformation that they see in the lives of believers. And a final misconception is that sharing the gospel, when, when you're rejected, that that means that you failed. That rejection means failure. And rejection of the gospel message is not a reflection of your personal failure. People have free will and people have varying spiritual journeys. Your role 
is to faithfully share the message. And the response is ultimately up to that individual and the work of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you're not going to share it perfectly. You're not going to get it right every time. Even if you do mess up, you're not a failure. What I want you to understand is that God does His best work through broken vessels. God works best through broken vessels, fragile vessels like you and like me. In fact, uh, the Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not us. We, we are just jars of clay. We are broken, fragile vessels, but we carry a treasure. We carry the message and the hope of Jesus. And God, in his infinite wisdom, chose to use us to carry his message because he knew that it would reveal his glory even more. And if you don't believe me, I just want you to consider who God used to spread the gospel most in Scripture. You remember Peter, one of Jesus' closest disciples, part of his inner three? And on the night that Jesus was arrested and betrayed, Peter denied knowing Jesus not once, not twice, but three times. He failed Jesus at the most pivotal moment. And surely this would disqualify him from sharing the gospel, right? You would think that he'd be subjected to wearing a t-shirt that said reject across the front for the rest of his life. But you know what God did? God restored Peter. And he used Peter to present the very first gospel message on the day of Pentecost in front of thousands of people. And 3,000 people responded and were baptized on that day through Peter's preaching. And what about Paul? Paul hated Christians. He was a Jew, and he thought that Christians had made a mockery of the Jewish religion by claiming that Jesus was Israel's Messiah. In his zeal for Judaism, Paul persecuted Christians. When Stephen, the first Christian martyr, was being stoned to death, Paul was standing there giving approval to what was being done. One day, Paul was traveling to Damascus, and he was struck down by a blinding light. And why was he going to Damascus? To persecute Christians. But the risen Jesus appeared to him and told him that he would be sent to proclaim the gospel to Gentiles. And that is exactly what Paul did. In Acts chapter 9, Paul is baptized, and then he goes on three missionary journeys throughout the Mediterranean region. He plants churches along the way, and he writes 13 New Testament letters. What qualified Paul to share the gospel so effectively? It certainly wasn't his lifestyle. It wasn't his background or his former beliefs. He was a broken vessel, but he was a willing vessel. And that is what God specializes in using. So often, I think we make the make sharing the gospel a lot more complicated than God ever intended it to be. The gospel is simple. That doesn't mean it's easy, but it's simple. I love this definition of evangelism, that evangelism is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Isn't that so true? I I'm a beggar, I found bread, and I'm sharing with other beggars where they can find bread too. In the words of Amazing Grace, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That's the story of every single one of us. God does his best work through broken vessels like you and me.
And that ought to relieve us of the pressure and the burden that we felt about sharing the gospel. In the New Testament letter of Colossians, Paul outlines what it takes to share the gospel effectively. It's simple, yet powerful. And these words help give us guidance as we seek to become gospel fluent. Colossians chapter 4, beginning in verse 2, we're going to read this together. If you would, please stand as we read God's word together. Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. May God bless his word. You may be seated. In this passage, we see a couple of actions that we can take to share the gospel effectively. First, seek open doors and seize opportunities. Seek open doors and then seize those opportunities. Paul writes in verse 3, pray that God may open a door for our message. As Paul ventured out on his missionary journeys, he wanted to go to where the gospel had not yet been preached. But that often meant that he was heading into hostile territory where people weren't receptive to the message of Jesus, and so he prays for open doors. That there may be windows of opportunity for him to share the message, for it to be received acceptingly. Do you pray for open doors? to share the message of Jesus? Would you even know what an open door was if you saw one? When your coworker asks you where you go to church, that's an open door. When your neighbor opens up about the grief and the heartache they're experiencing, that's an open door. When the mom at the playground asks you about activities for her kids, that's an open door. Seek open doors. He continues in verse 5, Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. So you seek open doors, and then when that door is opened, you need to seize the opportunity. You don't know if you'll have another opportunity, so make it count. The reality is we don't know how much time we have on earth. We don't know when Christ will return. We don't know if we'll ever have an opportunity to speak with this person again, so seize the opportunity when you get it. Like a quarterback finding a receiver across the middle of the field, that window of opportunity closes very quickly. Carl Henry says, the gospel is only good news if it gets there on time. So seize those opportunities. A few weeks ago, we were in a staff meeting, and uh, David Diener was getting ready to buy uh, tickets for next summer's CIY. And he had his laptop open, the the website was up, and he was just waiting until 10 o'clock on Tuesday, because that's when uh, registration opened for CIY. And I was asking, what's the big deal? Why why do you have to to get it right at 10 o'clock? And he says, you know, the the locations, the, the best locations, that they fill up immediately. 
And if you don't buy those tickets right at 10 o'clock, they're going to be out, out of space. If you wait till 10.05, it's too late. You've got to seize that opportunity. We need to seek open doors, and we need to seize the opportunities when they're in front of us because we don't know how long it'll last. And then second, we need to speak clearly and graciously. Speak clearly and graciously. Paul writes in verse 4, pray that I may proclaim it clearly. Don't worry about speaking eloquently. Don't worry about speaking in in five-syllable theological words. You just need to speak clearly. Clarity is key. And remember, your job is not to save them. That's what Jesus does. You can't save them. Your job is not to win an argument. Your job is to simply share the message of the gospel so that they hear the message and can make a response. And that right there should lift a huge weight off of your shoulders. Even Paul himself acknowledged that that only God could save. I think sometimes we don't speak the gospel clearly because we're afraid of offending people. And in our attempt to not offend people, we soften the gospel, we end up watering down the gospel in an attempt to uh, make it more palatable, but all we end up doing is make it more confusing. For example, if you minimize sin, then that person will never realize that they need a Savior. If you're talking with this person and you're saying, man, you're, you're so great and, and you're wonderful and you're amazing and you're saying all these things and you're saying, oh, by the way, you need a Savior, they're thinking, you've just told me how great I am, why do I need a Savior? So don't worry about offending. Just speak the gospel clearly. Remember, Jesus is the one who saves, not you. And if they reject the message, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. And Paul realized this, which allowed him to share the gospel boldly, clearly, and graciously. In Romans 2, verse 4, Paul says, it is God's kindness that leads you to repentance. In the context here of Colossians 4, the phrase full of grace, it means showing kindness and goodwill in your words. That phrase seasoned with salt, it's a picture of adding flavor or or wisdom to your words. Just as salt enhances the flavor of food, the idea is that your words should enhance the conversation so that it is beneficial to those who hear them. In this case, salt is a symbol of wisdom discernment, and thoughtfulness in conversation. And then Paul ends by saying, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You need to be able to share the gospel personally. Don't pass it off as if it's someone else's responsibility. If you're a Christian, you have a story to tell. If someone were to ask you why the gospel is good news for you, what would you say? I know what I would say. For for me as a teenager, I I longed for approval. I tried my best in school to get perfect grades, to excel at anything that I could. I intentionally avoided activities that would expose my weaknesses. I wanted to project myself as having it all together to be calm and cool and collected. But inside, this pressure to perform ate me alive. I was trying to live up to this unattainable standard. I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid of failure. 
And so for me, the best news I've ever heard is that there was a God who knew me better than I knew myself. That there was a God who, who saw my weaknesses that I tried to hide. He saw those weaknesses, and you know what? He didn't reject me because of those weaknesses. He accepted me. He saw me for who I really was, and he loved me still. In the gospel, I found good news because I saw that Jesus came to live the life that I tried to live but couldn't. He lived a perfect life. And through faith in Christ, I was justified. Christ's perfect record became mine, and his righteousness became my righteousness. And that's why the gospel is good news for me. Can you see that there is one gospel, but there are dozens of roads that lead to this one gospel? Hope leads to the gospel. Peace leads to the gospel. Forgiveness leads to the gospel. Fulfillment leads to the gospel. Contentment leads to the gospel. Like Paul, Peter reminded his readers of the need to speak the gospel graciously. He writes in 1 Peter 3, verses 15 and 16, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. I want you right now to think and consider about how the gospel is good news for you. You need to be able to identify what that is. That's your story. And now, I want you to think about your one. Who's your one? Who's that person in your life that you care about and you love deeply that doesn't know Christ as their Lord and Savior? Who's the person you've been praying for? That, that coworker, that family member, that friend, that neighbor that you desperately want to see come into a relationship with Jesus? And as you know them, and as you listen to them, and as you learn from them, how is the gospel good news for them? What in their life would make the gospel good news? To the person who is struggling with addiction, the gospel is good news because it brings freedom. To the person who is a perfectionist and is so hard on themselves when they make mistakes, the gospel is good news because it gives grace. To the person who is seeking purpose and sex and relationships and career and money, the gospel is good news because it gives, because it fully satisfies. To the person who's made a mess of their life and feels haunted by their past, the gospel is good news because it brings complete forgiveness. To the person who's experienced deep hurt and unmistakable tragedy, the gospel is good news because ultimately evil will be punished and all wrongs will be made right. And to the person who has struggled with health problem after health problem, the gospel is good news because it declares that one day there will be no more sickness and no more pain. And so as we seek to effectively share the gospel, we seek open doors, we seize opportunities, then we speak the gospel clearly and graciously. 
And as we do this, there are a couple of methods, a couple of strategies that we can use. The first is the come and see method. Come and see. In John chapter 1, verses 43 through 46, Philip invites Nathaniel to come and see Jesus for himself. Philip's invitation highlights the come and see method by encouraging personal exploration and direct experience. We read in verse 45, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, Philip said. And then in John chapter 4, you have the encounter of Jesus with the Samaritan woman at the well. There's this radical, life-transforming conversation, and then this woman goes back to her town, and she tells all the people there, come and see him for yourself. Her testimony and her invitation led many in her community to experience Jesus for themselves and to believe in him. So, so, So one way that we can share the gospel is by telling people, hey, come and see Jesus for yourself. A second method is to go and tell to go and tell. We see this very clearly in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. The Great Commission is a foundational biblical passage for the go and tell method. In this passage, Jesus instructs his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations. This command emphasizes the proactive and intentional spreading of the gospel message. He says, go therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to to obey everything that I have commanded you. In Mark's gospel, we see a similar directive from Jesus. Mark 16, verse 15, Jesus encourages believers to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. This verse underscores the active and the outward-focused nature of evangelism. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus' words here serve as a call to action for believers to be his witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This verse emphasizes the idea of going and spreading the message to various regions and beyond. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Paul encourages Timothy to preach the word, to be ready in season and out of season. This verse underscores the active role of proclaiming the gospel and sharing it with others. Church, we need both. It's not either or. It is both and. We need to invite people to come and see, and we need to go and tell. There are a lot of churches that, um, that are only all about come and see, and we call these attractional churches. And the problem with being one-dimensional and being only attractional is that people in the church think that, that their only task is to get people to come here, and they think, I don't have to live on mission, I don't have to follow the Great Commission, you know, that's the staff's job, that, that's the elder's job. And then you have other churches that pride themselves on being on mission. They're all about go and tell, and we call these missional churches, and missional churches do a great job at equipping people to go out on mission, 
But if you go and tell without inviting people to be a part of the church, then they'll never experience Christian community. They'll never see the beauty of the church coming together and worshiping God together. Come and see and go and tell work hand in hand. They work in conjunction, not in competition. As you go and tell, you invite people to come and see. And here's why this matters so much. How will they hear if you don't go tell? Paul wrote in Romans 10, verses 13 through 15, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Church, the gospel is good news. It is a kaleidoscope of good news. And each facet of the gospel has Jesus at its core. So make sure that you can identify how the gospel is good news for you. And once you've identified that, pray for open doors. Seize those opportunities when they come. And then when you speak, speak clearly and graciously. Go and tell what Jesus has done and invite them to come and see for themselves. You know, so far this year at Bachelor Creek, 32 people have responded to the good news of the gospel. 32 people have responded to God's love for us in Christ by accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior and being baptized into his name. And God is not done yet. God is still saving lives. God is still changing hearts. It is our responsibility to go and tell and invite people to come and see. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your radical love. God, we, we thank you that you have given us this message in jars of clay. God, there's nothing special about us. There, there's nothing that, that would draw people to ourselves, but, but it's your message. It's the good news of the gospel. And so, God, I pray that we would throw every misconception out the window and that we would know that we have been equipped by you to just simply share the message. You're the one that changes hearts. You're the one that, that convicts. You're the one that saves. So God, help us to be faithful. Help us to speak clearly, to speak graciously, the words of life into the stuff of people's lives. That is our hope. That is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.